So I know usually the first question that you'll have when I'm up here is, where's Pastor Luke, right? So he is in Michigan celebrating his dad's 80th birthday, and they're also having Christmas in July, kind of a double whammy. So uh, in a little bit, I'm going to pray, and we're also going to lift him and Molly up. How many of you know they are a dynamic duo for our church? Yeah, all right, yeah, exactly. And they're not here. We don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying they serve the Lord, and there really is no time off. There's just, he's in Michigan, right? So we need to pray for him that God would uh, just give him some rest in God's arms and pray for them each and every day. Uh, as for us, we're headed to John chapter 7, and we're going to talk about... Uh, I'm, my OCD, yep, thanks, Jenny. I'm like, oh, the door's open. What if someone comes in? All right. <laughs> we definitely need to pray. All right. But before we do that, let's read the scriptures that we have here this morning. So stand with me. They will be on the screen, and I'll let you know when I'm jumping. But you will want a Bible, because I'm going to head to some scriptures that aren't up here. But we're in John chapter 7. We're going to jump in right in the middle here, verse 37 through 39. So John chapter 7, starting in verse 37. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then I'm going down to John chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. And then down to verse 12 in chapter 8, it says, And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your truth that sets us free. We thank you for Jesus being the living water. We thank you for Jesus being the light of the world. And so, Father, just pierce our hearts with your word and your truth. Transform our lives to glorify you. And Lord, we lift up our pastor and Miss Molly to you. We ask that you bless them with safe travels. Help them to enjoy your presence and to enjoy their family, Lord. We love you, and we just thank you for bringing us all together here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're coming right in the middle of a feast here. As we read in 37, it says, on that day of the feast. And I don't know if you know what feast we're coming in on, but it's called the Feast of Booths. Has anybody ever heard of the Feast of Booths? Okay, so some of us that have get to celebrate what this is. Others, we get to uh, just enjoy unpacking 
the treasure of God's word, right? So we're going to unpack the Feast of Booths. We're going to look at Leviticus 23, what it all means. But first, understand that Jesus is unpacking for the people that he is essential to life. How many of you know that physically we all need water? Yeah, I like mine with a little bit of caffeine, right? And it's called coffee. And then how many of you know that we all need light to live? Yes, you need the sun? Okay, a few of us are happy that that's up. Well, sometimes. But we all need water and light, and Jesus is essential to our spiritual life. He is spirituality, our water, and our light. In fact, NASA is looking on Mars for evidence of water. There's light there, but they're looking for water because then it would prove that there is life or could sustain life. And so that's their hunt on Mars. They'll never find it, but okay. (laughs) Here's where I'm headed. All right. Chapter 7, if you just head back with me in John, one chapter, chapter 7, it says in verse 2 that Jesus, uh, now the Jews' feast of the booth was at hand. Feast of the booth. Now, I'm going to try and describe this, but in order to do it, we're going to head back to the Old Testament to Leviticus 23. So I can't tell you one without telling you that God is a God of feasts. Leviticus 23, you can even call this the calendar of God. The chapter 23 is God's year calendar. You following me? So in 23, God has seven feasts. So we could even say God is the God of the potluck, right? We all like them church lady Anything. It doesn't matter what you make. Okay. Let let me pull it in. I'm hungry. All right. (laughs) Chapter 23 goes down the feast that God commands his people to celebrate. You follow me? And we've heard of a lot of these, and some of you would be like, oh, yeah, okay. But celebrate with me, all right? The first one, chapter 23, is the Passover. How many have heard of Passover? Yes, this is when Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples and instituted the Lord's Supper. That is the first one that God talks about in 23, and I'm just reading the headings. The next heading is the Feast of the First Fruits. But right in that heading, we skipped over one. And it's in your Bible, you'll see it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, you follow me? Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Fruits. And what I want to tell you about those three is that they all happen within one weekend, right? That's a party, right? Three day, like God's like, yeah, eat this, right? And he says it a lot nicer than that. But so Passover, I'm going to explain some of these. Passover happens on Thursday evening to Friday evening. That's the Jewish day. Do you know it starts at evening? So that's why I'm saying that. So on Thursday, we, have, we celebrate Monday, Thursday, Passover. All right, this is the Passover lamb. How many of you know that's Jesus? All of these feasts, if you don't know, are going to point to him. Okay, yep. <laughs> All right, this is yes, this is no. 
I know I was from Alito, but okay. The Feast of Unleavened Bread also happened on Friday, which is also Sabbath, and it lasted for a week. It always intertwined with Passover. So as Jewish people are getting ready for Passover, they're also getting all the leaven out, all the yeast, because that represents sin. And God wants their house to be clean and clear. And I can tell you, they go to great lengths. They tape, they like plastic up their microwaves in case it had any bread in it. And I mean, they're for seven days, no microwave. For some of us, that's not fun. Understand that the search for this was actually what God tells us to do. Is to search our heart for any evil, any sin, any wickedness. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wash, right? You know what I'm saying? The yeast represented sin. You guys, okay. Because I'm not moving on until we're like, yeah. Okay. Thanks, brother. There's one in the back that wants me to keep going. Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it happened for seven days, and then there's the Feast of the First Fruits. Now, if I back up to Thursday, this is what's happening with that one, because they're all happening within three days, same time. Feast of First Fruits is the barley harvest comes in at the Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread. They go out to the field on Thursday, and they tie up a sheath. They don't cut it, they, don't, they just tie it up. This is going to be what we offer to the Lord as first fruits. How many of you know that Jesus was tied up and led away on that same? Okay, you're following me. This is all pointing to Christ. They tie up the sheath, and on Sabbath, they can't do any work. Harvest it. But a priest, he goes out and chops it down. Well, not down, but just cuts it so it's ready. For on Sunday, the Feast of first fruits, they grab that sheath, bring it in on that Sunday, and wave it before the Lord that it's the first fruit offering of the harvest. How many of you know that's what today is? Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead, and he's, our way, he's the offering of the first fruits back from the dead. Okay, some of us are excited about that because we don't want to die. We want Jesus and live forever, right? All right. I need to calm down. I get excited about this stuff, and I might be the only one, but I feel like I'm diving into God's treasure, and I'm like, "Woo! look at this nugget! And you guys are like, mm-hmm. No, some of you are excited with me. So these first three, they all happen, boom, 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 boom. The next feast, right after the barley, is exactly 50 days. God said from that first fruits feast, you have 50 days, and it's called the Feast of Weeks. 50 days, guess what that is? Pentecost. Yes? This is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, and Peter jumps out with the Holy Spirit and preaches to everybody, and 3,000 people get saved. All right? We're following God's calendar. How many of you know it's pointing out right to our New Testament, too? Okay. The next feast is the Feast of the Trumpets. And we could tie that into Revelation where I could, I mean, we could do a whole series just on our feast and then we could all eat. Oh, okay. All right. The next one is the Day of Atonement where the priest goes into the Holy of Holies and offers one sacrifice for the people. How many of you know Jesus is that sacrifice? 
All right, we celebrate the Day of Atonement every day. Then we get to the Feast of Booths, right? This is what God tells them I want you to do. I want you for one week to get a temporary shelter out in your yard. I don't want you staying in your house. I want you to pitch a tent, put some leaves on it. I want you and your family to go out and eat a meal and stay in that for all week. How many of you think that's awesome? Better have some AC in there, right? Or at least a tarp today. So God is telling him every year, the, all the Jewish people are to go out, build this temporary shelter as a reminder that God was their provision in the wilderness for 40 years. And God provided all they needed, manna. Yes, they were in their wilderness 40 years, manna. He provided water from the rock. Yes, so bread, water, and then he also provided light. During the day, he was, it was a pillar of cloud that God appeared to all of them in. And they would, if the cloud was moving, they picked up their tent and they were moving for 40 years. And then at night, it was a pillar of fire. How many of you know that? So at night, the pillar of fire is there and they could just see the whole camp, right? And they lived in that for 40 years. So God's telling them, for this feast, I want you to do this with your family. Remember the provision. Remember what I've done for you, that I've provided. There is salvation in his name. So let's head back to John chapter 7. John is a wonderful Jewish boy who gets all these feasts and just quickly mentions them by name. Right? John chapter 7 Verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Verse 2, Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. And we're going to pause there. I'm going to tell you something else about the feast of booths. God had seven feasts, right? We're clear? Okay. Out of three of the feasts... God required all male men of the Jewish faith to go to the temple. To go up to the temple, present something to the Lord. Deuteronomy 16, 16. For those that don't, you want to look it up, go look it up. God says all the men are required to come up where I am and present themselves to me. And so here in John 7, it's the Feast of Booths. It's one of them that they're required to go to. How many, you with me? Okay. The other ones, you probably got people wondering what other ones they are. And it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the first fruits. They're required to be there on that weekend or Passover. Then they're required to be at Pentecost. Then they're required to be at the Feast of Booths. So how many of you know that when Peter jumped out and preached to 3,000 men, it's because they're all right there. You see how God's nuggets, am I the only one excited about those? Okay. So in the Feast of Booths, here we have chapter 7. It is the feast. It's time. And Jesus' brothers are hassling him. Hey, Jesus, are you going to go up to the Feast of the Booth and present yourself? Hmm? Why don't you just show all these guys what you've been doing in secret, that you're the Messiah, and they're scoffing him in chapter 7. 
They're saying, hey, Jesus, why don't you go up and present yourself openly and publicly? And Jesus, in all of his kindness, just like a brother does. No, I'm joking. <laughs> That's what I would do to my brother. Be like, guess what, dude? Noogie time. Jesus says in 5, well, it says in 5, his brothers didn't even believe in him. They were just scoffing him. And 6, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. So kind of just, go ahead, fellas. And you know what? And then if you skip down to verse 14, it says, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began teaching. So here he shoes his brothers on yet, go present yourself, do what God tells us to do in the law. Right? And then later, middle three or four days in, it's seven days, Jesus heads up there too. Now, he was secretly doing this, not publicly. Now, what you have to understand about this is as they're celebrating the tabernacle, they have ceremonies. Okay, They're remembering that God provided what? Manna, yes. What else? Water. Light. Okay. If you don't know, John tackles manna earlier. So we're going to leave manna alone. Because Jesus said, I am the manna. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. I came down from heaven. How many of you know John? Jesus is calling out their feast. You want to celebrate manna, guess who's here? And the priest, they would take a golden scepter for their ceremony to remember the water that flowed from a rock, also the, the well and the way Jesus, God provided, but the most miraculous one was the water from the rock. So ceremonially, I can't say, ritually every year, the priests for that seven-day feast of booths would take a golden, pretend this is golden, they'd walk down to the pool of Shalom, right, They'd get some water and in processional walk back to the temple with the water and they would quote, now the Talmud, which is ceremonial Jewish law, says they would quote, God is our salvation, which is Psalm 1825. Or they would quote Isaiah 51.5 that says, may we draw water from the well of our salvation. And they're just processing Water and salvation and love and goodness and grace. And then they'd pour the water out on the altar. And they'd do that every day for a week. Follow me? Okay. Now we're going to fast forward to our 737. What day of the feast is this? It says on the last day, that great day, here's the priests. Going in their ceremony. They go down to the pool and they dip out from the water. The pool, it's like an artesian well. Been there, it's pretty cool. There was some guy taking, no, I won't go, okay. Won't go that far. <laughs> there was a guy in the shower taking a bath in there. I'm like, what? All right. They're proceeding, not during the feast, when I was in Israel, I'm saying. So they're proceeding back to the temple. They're on that last great day, and they're about to pour out this awesome water, and they're praying, Psalm 18, 25, Lord, be the salvation. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands up, and what does he say? 
If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What? Imagine what they thought. Who are you? Who do you think you are? We're celebrating the water from the rock that God gave us. Who do you think you are? And Jesus goes on to say, and I won't keep quoting it, but can you imagine how they disdained him? The very water that they're celebrating and ceremonial is burning in Jesus who's sitting there. And Jesus says he doesn't say anything unless the Father tells him to say it. You got me? So when Jesus is sitting there and they're like celebrating this awesome water and get ready to pour it out, and Jesus says, anyone who thirsts, come to me. God's telling him, here's your provision. Here's the water that you're celebrating from the rock, and he's standing right in your midst. And that's prophecy. Lo, behold, he stands in our midst, salvation that we thirst for. And right away... As soon as Jesus says that, you know what happens? If you read on, and you don't have to now because we're in, we're in church. Read this on your own. Division. Instant division. Some of them say, well, who's this guy? Is he a prophet? Who is this guy? Is he the, one that, is he the Messiah, the ones that's to come? Yeah, but he's from Galilee. Who? Pff, what? The Messiah from Galilee? Oh, but he's this, he's that. An instant division. Jesus is saying he is that provision of water from God. Earlier on in John, he told the woman at the well exactly the living water that he was, didn't he? Now he's telling everybody, and they're ticked off. He's the water. But it doesn't stop there, because for this week-long festival, they also had a ceremony for their lighting. So... This ceremony for their lighting, you can imagine the temple, a menorah, has seven candles. All right? And tradition says they lit the place up like as if it was daylight. They had menorahs everywhere. And so on the last day, Jesus is saying, I am the water. On the very next day, as it says in 8.1, they all went home. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. On the next day, he came to the temple. And guess what day this is? Sabbath. They don't do any work. Do you think the menorahs are still up? Do you think they're still burning? Somebody help me, right? They're not taking these things down. Jesus is sitting in the temple and he proclaims, I am the light of the world. And right here he's saying he is God, the pillar of fire that they're celebrating in the Feast of Booths. Follow me? You could say, well, okay, thanks for explaining all that. But right away, again, is division. The scribes and the Pharisees, as soon as he says, I am the light of the world, the Pharisees say to him, you're bearing false witness. You're testifying of yourself. And they start ridiculing him. And here you have our essential spiritual life, Jesus Christ. If you're going to have anything in him, in God, if you don't know him as your water and your light, you don't have the life. 
I'm going to transition and ask you to grab the cup that is around you, not the one that you brought with coffee, but grab the cup that I have, and then, good job, Kevin. He's excited to have a cup. Now, Kevin is going to help you. If you don't have a pen, he's going to bring you one around. And John, his son, anybody raise your hand if you need a pen? Because I can tell you, so last week, Keep your hands up as they come around. Last week, I was at CIY, which is Christ and Youth. And I can tell you, they talked about the woman at the well with a different message, but they gave us a cup. And they challenged us with two things that I want to challenge you. And now I have like 20 things on my cup. Because God pierced my heart with this and challenged me to share it with all of you. So now I have a cup for you. And on that cup, I'd like you to take your pen, and I'd like you to write on one side, what are you thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? And there's pens in the seats if you need one, and, or keep your hand up. I know in the high school, we'll throw it at you if you need, raise your hand. So write on the one side, what am I thirsty for, or what are you thirsty for? And thirsty and question mark works too for those of us who don't like to write. And then on the other side, I want you to take your pen and write, what are you drinking? I like hearing all the styrofoam going, this is cool. If you're at home and watching online, go get yourself a cup that you can write on. Get your cricket going so you can put it on your coffee bug. What are you thirsty for, and what are you drinking? Now, it's with simplicity that we can ask ourselves this. But the hard part is to be honest. Because I can tell you, it says, what are you thirsty for, or what am I thirsty for? And I can tell you, we're thirsty for unity, but often we drink division. And we're thirsty for family, but often we drink isolation and separation. We're thirsty to belong, but God says we isolate and we don't tell anybody what's going on. We're thirsty for right relationships, but we won't hand out. We're drinking hate and anger and bitterness. And we're thirsty for a great relationship with everyone around us, but we are drinking unforgiveness. We're thirsty for mercy, but are we drinking it? Jesus tells us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. And so I can tell you, we're thirsty for purity, but we drink sin and sexual immorality. We're thirsty for a longing that only Jesus can fulfill. And we're thirsty for a great marriage, but we drink wanting to be right and being number one. So what are you thirsting for? We thirst, I thirst 
for knowledge about Jesus. But you know what I often drink is entertainment to watch Marvel for 90 hours so I know what they are like in a row, right? I haven't done it, but I'm saying there's a temptation. I want to drink that. I want to drink my episode and my couch potato. I'm thirsty for Jesus, but I keep drinking the wrong drink. How long are you going to stay at the mud holes of this world? When Jesus is standing up and he says, I am the water. If you thirst, come. And we look at him and we say, who are you? We're a Pharisee. Division right away. Well, I can do my own way. I can fill my own cup. No, you can't. Jesus is the only provision for the whole world. But what are we thirsty for? Do we even drink of Him? Do we even read our Word? Do we even get into it? Are we even drinking of the living water? Because He says when we drink of that living water of Jesus, rivers of living water will flow from us. So if someone had their cup next to you, what are they drinking? Is it Jesus? That's the hope. That's what I want my kids to drink from a dad who has Jesus pouring out of them so I can give them mercy and not ground them every day of their life. My wife wants a husband who has Jesus flowing out that she could drink rivers of mercy from me. How many of you want filled up that way? What are you thirsty for? The mud holes of this world will not fill us up, church. But only Jesus who stood up and said, those who thirst come to him. And so you know what? On the inside of my cup, if you can reach it, I wrote Jesus. If you can reach down in there, because you know what? The celebration wasn't just water. I need Jesus to fill my cup every day. You know what the celebration was also of? You remember? We were here. Water and light and manna. Flip your cup over like this. And you know what I wrote on the bottom? Dark. And this is often where I want to hide. Right up under here where darkness lives and I can hide and I can say, okay, Lord, I, uh, I'm on your team. Don't look under the cup. John says it this way. The light of the world came and men love darkness rather than light. And we try and hide. How many of you know you cannot hide one lick Psalm 8, it, Psalm 8 tells us that whether I go to heaven, he is there. Whether I make my bed in Sheol and hell, he's there. Whether, wherever I go, he's there. How many of you know, but we still try and hide? Like, Lord, I got something in my life. I don't want you to see. Uh, just don't open the, don't look under the cup. And what he's saying is, I already see it. Would you bring light to it? Would you bring Jesus's light into it? So if we're thirsty, what are we drinking? But what are we hiding? The one that convicts me, Timothy tells us, some men's sins 
go before them to heaven, and other ones are hidden and follow after. You know, there's a blessing of getting it, take, getting your cup clean before you get there. Okay, a couple of us know that. I think about the mud holes that we're in. And maybe I just get you to recite, what did Jesus say about the water? He says, according to the scripture, anyone who thirsts, come. But he stood up and he cried it out. If anyone thirsts, come. So I'm going to be the Pharisee real quick. I've got the water. And on that last day of the great feast, all of a sudden, you as the audience, you're all Jesus and you cry out, what? Well, that was pretty pathetic. <laughs> I don't have to do it again because I think you get it. That our Christ, Jesus, is still crying out. He's still saying, come to those who are thirsty and drink. And you know what? Can you imagine him screaming that on that day? And he still, I pray that you could hear him saying it in your own mind. Come. Isaiah 55 verse 1 says it this way. Come. And buy milk and wine without price. Come and buy this without money. It's free. It's Jesus. He's offered to everyone. Freely take. All you have to do is come. Anyone who thirsts and drink. Now you can be the Pharisee and say, nope. Who do you think you are, Jesus, being my, the only provision or you can be like Thomas, his disciple, who bowed his knee and said, my Lord and my God, let me drink deep so that I can offer it out. And that's the church we should be. Offering living water. And you know what? This Feast of Booths doesn't stop. In Revelation, the water is going to flow from God's throne out to the east, out to the west. We're going to see the living water for who he is. And then... It's also going to light heaven that the sun is like, get gone. Your light has nothing on Jesus, and there's no shadow. Jesus is light because he is the light of the world. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and have a moment. As the band, the praise band comes, I just ask you, have you come and drank of Jesus. It's free. Have you even turned the cup over to say, Jesus, you're the light of the world. Would you shine on me? Jesus, you're the living water. Would you let me drink? If you come now to him, we call that salvation. We call that what Jesus came to do is save all men from the mud holes of this world.
and hell itself. But maybe you have drank at some point in your life and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've tipped the cup over and you've been trying to hide. Trying to keep things in your life dark. Maybe you would symbolically tip the cup over and ask Jesus to just shine his light throughout your whole heart. That every area, every part of you, he would shine through and search. And your prayer would be the prayer, David, search me, oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. And cleanse me and wash me with your word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the simplicity of the cup, but Lord, I thank you for Jesus Christ, the true living water. And Lord, as you're drawing our hearts to you, help us to drink deep. Thank you for the promise that living water will flow from us to our relationships, to our marriages, to our kids to our community, to our jobs, wherever we are, Lord, flow out from us, but help us to get to your well. You're the living water. Without you, we can do nothing. But Lord, your word says through Christ, we can do all things. So give us the strength to run to you, Lord, and shine on us. We love you and we thank you for your word and your message. In Jesus' name, amen.